0: Dr. Gina, and welcome to primetime. We kick things off today with a Biden border crisis story. The latest disturbing story of the Biden border crisis comes to us from the Twitter account of the Customs and Border Patrol. Video from that tweet shows two Ecuadorian girls, ages three and five, being dropped over the top of a 14-foot border wall so they could gain entry into the U.S. Now, this happened two nights ago in Santa Teresa, New Mexico, and I can't imagine what those little girls thought or did as they waited for Border Patrol to find them. They're currently in the custody of the CBP and are said to be uninjured. But I still can't imagine sending my children at that age, or any age, to be dropped over a 14-foot high wall into another country. But we can thank Joe Biden for yet another border crisis story. Joe Biden also having a rough time keeping track of all the facts and a new Georgia voter integrity law. Biden spoke to ESPN last night and said that the Major League Baseball All-Star Games should be pulled from the state. Listen.
1: I would strongly support them doing that. This is Jim Crow on steroids, what they're doing in, in Georgia and 40 other states. What is it's all about? Imagine passing a law saying you cannot provide water or food for someone standing in line to vote. Can't do that? Come on. Or you're going to close a polling place at 5 o'clock when working people just get off? This is all about keeping working folks and ordinary folks that I grew up with from being able to vote.
0: Even The Washington Post had to call Biden out for his fake news The new Georgia law does not end voting hours early, and you can get water in line to vote, but that doesn't stop the left from repeating the lies. And all right, it is almost time for the interview I think you've been waiting for. I certainly have, and that is the one with President 45, President Donald J. Trump. But first, we're going to check in with the only person who could do the entree for all of that. That is our own John Solomon for checking in with the headlines from just the news here. John, it's great to have you. There's nobody I'd rather have lead in to this interview. Thanks for being with us.
1: Thank you, Gina. It's so good to be with you. So much going on. Uh
0: Yes. Yes, so much. John, I saw this story at Just the News about the announcement from the U.S. Special Operations Command that they are reassigning their brand new chief diversity and inclusion to other duties after a quick check of his social media found a few anti-Trump memes. John, that doesn't seem very mm, inclusive or really diverse, does it?
1: Isn't it amazing that all these actions that are being taken in the name of diversity and inclusion often have a backstory where diversity and inclusion is really a form of censorship, a really a form of uh, uh, something masquerading as bigotry, you know? And they're, they're trying to uh, hide bigotry by calling it somebody in charge of inclusion. This was a story that we followed closely with our great reporter, Susan Keating, and uh, within 24 hours of us reporting it and digging into it, uh, he was put on uh, reassignment been moved from the job. I guess if you're bigoted against uh, Republicans, maybe you're not a good example of a diverse uh, officer. And I think that that's uh, what the military short-term has done until at least they investigate this stuff. Um, we're going to be watching this closely because a lot of the people they're putting into these positions have a history of intolerance. And I think that that's one of the things we're doing. We have a full-time reporter now at Justin News digging into these issues.
0: That's awesome. John, there's also a story out of University of Nevada that I saw on your site about segregated living there. But I thought segregation was over, John.
1: Isn't that amazing? There is a movement sweeping across many campuses. Uh, they're called living learning communities. Uh, they have different nice sounding names. But in, in honesty, what they are is opportunities for students of same gender, race, ethnicity to say, we just want to live by ourselves and not engage other students. And so what happened is some of these LLCs opened up in uh, the University of Nevada, Reno, and uh, the housing director for the university said, hey, guess what? Uh, There are, for the African-American Hispanic LLCs, we're not gonna allow anyone who isn't identifying in that uh, ethnicity or race to join for safety reasons. That's exactly what he told Young America's foundation. We started inquiring, the university reversed it and said, that man misspoke. We'll allow anyone of any race, any ethnicity into these communities. But that might not have happened had we not asked the questions.
0: That's right. Well, John Solomon, we appreciate you being with us. Make sure you subscribe to his podcast over at justthenews.com along with my podcast. And up next, we go to President Trump. Stick around. We'll be right back.
2: Have you heard you can listen to your favorite news podcasts ad free?
0: Welcome back to Dr. Gina Primetime. So glad you are with us for the interview that I am definitely the most excited about. Joining me now by phone, the greatest president in the history of the United States, President Donald J. Trump. Thank you so much for being here with us tonight, President.
3: Well, thank you, Gina, very much. It's a very nice introduction, I must say.
0: (laughs) well you know that's genuine and you know that's exactly how i feel and frankly that's how most of our audience here at real america's voice feels about you mr yeah. president um, I i'm told it. i'm told that our sons were playing football together last night i don't know if you knew this but uh... i'm told that your son baron is one heck of an athlete just like his father and although you were a baseball player and Barron prefers soccer um, I, huh? I just, I know that you have to be so proud of him. And this is the thing that I want to get to. I've met all of your family, all of your incredible children. Yeah. And in fact, that, I don't know if you know this, is what first drew me to you as a mother. It is the oh. children that you have raised. I found something very exceptional about them. And I thought there has to be something exceptional about this candidate. And that's the reason I first became a surrogate for you. So I want to ask you for the mothers and the dads of America. What is your secret to raising such amazing children? Because I've never heard you answer that question.
3: Well, I think you have to give them a lot of attention, and I've been able to do that despite, you know, being busy, having a busy life, to put it mildly. Uh, you have to give them the attention. You have to talk to them. You have to be with them. A lot of people at a certain level, or they have success or they don't have much time, uh, whether it's success or not success, frankly. They don't give their children enough time. And uh, I always also, you know, You can have good children, but if they start with the drugs or the alcohol, and I always add cigarettes in there, too, frankly. But I I say no drugs, no alcohol, no cigarettes, and I've said it for years to all of them to a point where they start going wild with it. You know, they don't like it. But it really, uh, so far, I think, has had a pretty good impact. Uh, But, you know, I've seen some really uh, great children go bad because they get hooked on drugs or alcohol, and you really – You just can't let that happen because once that happens, then you're dealing in a new ball game.
0: And I'd be remiss, Mr. President, if for the people who are listening in America, I didn't ask how is the most amazing and beautiful first lady in history doing?
3: Well, she's doing great. people really do love her, you know, it's when I go out and make a speech, I see signs. We love our first lady. We love Mm -hmm. our first lady. So, I mean, it's like incredible. And, uh, She's an elegant woman, and she has really uh, – she's worked hard. She doesn't get a fair press, but, you know, we can say that about all of us, I think, and that includes you and it includes everybody that you talk about lovingly. It's one of those things. It's a very unfair situation, the press. Uh, it's, almost, uh, it's almost like a closed press. It's ridiculous. But the people get it. Uh, you know, for shows like yours, the people get it because we got – almost 75 million votes, and I suspect, and you do too, that it was a lot more than that. The people get it, Gina. It's really incredible. They, uh, there's more enthusiasm, there's more love out there now than there was at any time before. It's pretty incredible, actually.
0: It really is, and uh, and we're, we're going to definitely talk about that. But, you know, you mention the love. No president, and perhaps no figure ever in history, Mr. President, has stirred emotions, and really just a deep, deep love as you have. People who I know um, ask me about you all the time. They ask me to tell you. Over and over again, I get this literally dozens if not more times per day. They want me to convey to you how much they love you. They give me their Purple Heart medals and ask me to give them to you, their books they've Mm. written, their letters they've written. They so love and appreciate your sacrifice, Mr. President, and that of your family. And they want you to sincerely know how much you mean to them. Do you feel that love from the American people? And if so, I want to give you a chance on this show to respond to those who really want you to know how much you mean to them.
3: Well, it's such a nice statement and question. The fact is that I've never felt it more than now. I think to a certain extent, when you look at a collapsing border, when you look at all of the things that I said were going to happen, they're going to take away your guns. You, you Wait till you see what they do to the Second Amendment, and that'll be in two or three weeks. You know, they're running roughshod. And uh, they never said they were doing these things, although I said that's what will happen. Uh, be careful. That's what will happen. And yeah. our leadership is, is not good. We're not, we don't have good leadership in the Senate, horrible leadership, in my opinion, in the Senate. They're running right over Mitch McConnell and uh, really it's uh, it's a very sad thing when you look at it it's a very very sad thing but i think the republicans are going to do very well in a year and a half now you know the time flies gina it flies and uh, we have no choice but to do well and hopefully uh, we're going to do well in the house we're going to do well in the senate and then in 24 we're going to do well with that beautiful white house
0: past presidents have talked about how much the weight of the office pushed them closer to god um i haven't heard you talk about your faith experience but i feel like i saw it just kind of knowing you and watching how much the christian community embraced you talk to us about your walk with the lord during this whole entire experience of being president and then everything you have gone through in the last couple of months
3: well i think that your expression about pushed you closer to god is a beautiful expression i haven't heard it that way you hear it, but you don't hear it that way. The words are beautiful because it, it's uh, true. Uh, you're going through this horrible situation where, and I say it, I say it loudly. I I had two jobs when I was president: to do a great job for the country and protect the country, and to uh, survive. Cause it's survival, because what they put us all through was just horrible, and and it continues. It's just a disgrace it's a disgrace five and a half years of investigations and Mueller, russia 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 nonsense and uh, you know with all of the stacked everything was stacked we had 18 angry democrats and there was no collusion after two years but they knew that on day one they should have come out day one it's a disgrace so to go through all that and it continues onward and onward Uh, but you love the country and you love the people of the country and you love god it's all – it just – it's a beautiful thing what's happened in the sense that they get it. And you've been at rallies, and, and I know you go to a lot of the rallies. I see it a lot. And uh, when you say – when you see thousands, you know, we have 35, 40, 50,000 people sometimes, and they start screaming, we love you, we love you. And I started thinking about it, and this has started over the last, you know, number of months. This wasn't initially when I started. I don't remember that actually in the first – in the first campaign, you know, we had two campaigns, the first and the second. We won them both, and we did much better in the second. Okay, you know that. We got almost 75 million votes. First one, we got 63. I was told if we can get it to 66, we win easily in a landslide, and we got it to 75. And very rarely does a president get more votes the second time. You know, or it's not a very significant number. We get 12 million more votes, which is like an unheard of thing. But I tell you— that statement really came, started over the last six months or seven months. And, you know, when you think about it, a crowd is saying, we love you. If you think about a Ronald Reagan, who was a popular man, they never, you know, use that expression. They never said that. So there is a great bond between the people and myself. And they know that what we're doing is right, whether it's the borders or whether it's health care, where we have done a great job on health care. So many different things, Uh, the biggest tax cut in history, uh, regulations. And by the way, speaking of tax cuts, you're going to have the biggest tax increase now in history. We had the best employment numbers in history uh, everything we've done was it was great. And then we had to do it twice because we had the pandemic and we came up with a vaccine. We did the vaccine that would have taken another president five years to get. I got it done in nine months. And that's going to save the world because this thing is tragic. This uh, this uh, what do you call it? China virus or COVID-19 or any one of it, a lot of different names. Uh, it is brutal. It's a it's a terrible thing. But the vaccine is saving the world. And we did that
0: that you sure did, and there's no question, you are responsible for the current calm on the COVID issue, so calm, actually, that Joe Biden barely mentioned it uh, in his finally, after however many months of of being president, uh, decided to have a press conference and and didn't even bother to hardly mention the COVID issue. Uh, But you instituted Operation Warp Speed. You carried the weight of all the COVID operations that got us to where we are now, While the Biden administration is doing everything in their power, usually by executive order, to dismantle everything that you did, trying in every way they can to discredit you and to take credit for what you did uh, that they can't discredit you for and uh, letting untested illegals flow into our country. And yes, it is a surge. They are now considering forcing vaccines with a health passport that would force Americans uh, to have a vaccine for everyday activities like travel and entertainment. I, I put up on social media that I would be interviewing you, and this was the number one question that people said I should ask you. Ask you, how do you feel about those health passports-enforced vaccinations?
3: Well, let me just tell you, start with this. Uh, you know, I'm very proud of the vaccine, uh, and it's really vaccines because we have a number of companies, and, uh, you know, they're not in love with me because I've forced the uh, cost of prescription drugs way down, and that's their business, too. I did a favored nation's laws which nobody thought would ever be done. And that means that if Biden lets this all settle in, we will be paying the lowest price anywhere in the world for prescription drugs, right? As of a number of months ago, we were paying the highest price. This is just a unbelievable thing for people. But the, uh, the drug companies, they spent millions of dollars against me because nobody does. So basically we have to match, they have to match the lowest price of any nation in the world. And give it to us because we pay the highest price that we have for many, many years, decades. And so they're not in love with me. But I tell you what, we got them to do it. And I got the FDA to move like they've never moved before. They were not happy with me. These are people that were not happy with me because we pushed them. But if I didn't push them, it would have taken anywhere from three to five. Guys like Fauci said the vaccine would take three to five years. And I said, no, it's not going to take three to five years. Why would it take that? And they had all sorts of statutory wait periods. They had, I mean, it was just a process that went through. It was ridiculous, frankly. And uh, we got it done. Uh, So I think the vaccine, and really vaccines, because they're different companies, four different companies that'll go, and you're going to have cures also. Uh, They're great. They're really great. And so I recommend taking it at the same time we have our freedoms, so I don't demand that people take them i don't demand it uh i think people should take them uh i've taken it and frankly you know i feel better having taken it but some people don't want to take it because you know they don't want to take it and that's their you know that's also a freedom and i believe in that gina you know i think that that's fine that's that's one of those things we will be a large number of people are good first of all Uh, They have it when you get it, and you get better. And most people, as you know, 99%, I mean, most people get better. Uh, When you get better, uh, you have a very powerful – that's actually probably more powerful than the vaccine even. So it does develop a herd immunity. And when you have the herd immunity, you know, it's like uh, pretty good. And we're leading the world. Uh, We're leading the world. Warp speed was a phenomenal thing. We got the military to – uh logistically bring out the vaccine and they did the generals they did a great job they did a really great job and uh i think we did 1.3 million people a day uh that by the time of the uh sad very sad inauguration we did 1.3 million people a day that was a tremendous thing and and it only gets exponentially bigger Uh, automatically it gets bigger they took over our program So it's been uh, it's been a great thing. Uh, You know, coming up with a vaccine is is great. So I'd be the last person to say don't take it. But you have your I I recommend that people do take it. But you have people that for various reasons. uh, And one of them is, you know, freedom. You have to let them be free. There are those people that want to force the vaccines. Everybody has to take them. That's a very tough situation. That's a tough thing. And it it wouldn't be necessary. We're going to have a herd immunity de- developed. And you said something very interesting a little while ago. You said that uh, you really made it. It's, it's easier now because people really feel that it's going to be under control because of the vaccines. And uh, and it will be. And it feels a lot better out there, I'll tell you.
0: It sure does. It sure does. Everybody wants to know, of course, if you're going to run again, and I doubt you're going to announce here on my show. You can if you like, though, Mr. President. Uh, But (laughs) what would it take for you to run again? What would compel you and make it just completely irresistible to you?
3: Well, we're looking, and and we'll see, and we'll see how things are going. Uh, When you look at the border, when you look at what they're going to do to your Second Amendment, when you look at the tax increases and the regulation increases regulations is in many ways worse than taxes you're going to be driving a lot of businesses out of the country because you know they'll go to other countries like they were doing before i got there they were leaving and uh, you know we had the most number of people 160 million people working we never had anything near that uh and that's because of what i did with taxes and regulations so now they're changing that around and that's going to be a bad thing. But we'll look at the appropriate time. There's, there's plenty of time. And, you know, I look at the polling and the people, it's nice to know you're loved, uh, but the polling yes. certainly indicates that it's really, it's really a great thing. But we'll, we'll be looking at that and we'll make a decision at the appropriate time.
0: Yeah, just living here in Palm Beach, I can tell you, I noticed there are a lot of people coming through to kiss the ring. So I'm telling you, I know that something's up, and certainly that support is out there for you. Some, Mr. President, have, sadly, some of your supporters, have sort of given up on our country without you at the helm. Um, I've heard people say that they're not going to even bother to vote because they feel that their votes didn't count, and they're frustrated. And I know you know this, but they do the math, and they know Biden only won 500 counties. And you won 2,500 counties. You got more votes, as you stated, in your second election than you even did in your first. Some feel the GOP failed them by not watching the elections closely enough. Some feel like the deep state has such a, a grip and a stronghold that there may be no way to get it back without you in the Oval Office. What do you say to those people that have given up hope right now?
3: Well, we got to get out and vote. And it was it was a rigged election. Uh, If you look at, you know, all of the things, whether it was dead people voting, whether it was people that didn't live in the county or live in the state that voted, whether it were illegal immigrants that voted and many, many other things There were many categories. But if you just look at one category, these swing states in particular did not get approved or approval for all of the horrible things that they did they didn't get approval from the legislatures now the leg- i guess five or six of those legislatures were republicans and democrats were running it and the democrats couldn't get the approvals so they did it anyway and that's against the constitution of the united states and our supreme court didn't have the courage to rule on it you know they said uh, no standing or whatever they said they just wouldn't rule on it and it's so clear it's it's very plain it says very simply cuz nothing was ruled on the facts they didn't want to take the case because they didn't have the guts to take the case and this case forgetting about all of the other things i said with the with the uh, you know all of the people that shouldn't have voted that did vote i mean they lengthened the hours they lengthened the days they did things that were so horrible and they were done by local officials democrats they were done by local officials and local judges you're not allowed to have that done. So the Supreme Court should have ruled and they didn't want to hear the case. And it says very clearly in the United States, uh, in the Constitution, it says very, very clearly, Constitution of the United States, and it says it so clearly, and it says you have to have the legislature make these changes, and they didn't. And right there, uh, people wish Mike Pence had sent it back Because, frankly, if those legislatures received them back, numerous of those legislatures, by the time it was time to do something, uh, they realized that what happened was wrong. Uh, You had more votes than you had people voting. That's a beauty. I mean, you had more votes, think of it, than you had people voting, and yet they certified. Uh, Too bad it wasn't sent because the legislatures, in my opinion, would have done something very drastic, and uh, it may be, it was, and these were big numbers we're talking about. These aren't like, you know, uh, 43 votes in the state of Michigan. These aren't, uh, you know, 200 votes that don't matter, because they were all close, very close, very, very close. And if you remember at 10.30 in the evening, it was over. We won. I mean, it was like over. And then you had these massive dumps. Everybody saw those big lines at various times in the morning big big massive dumps of ballots all over the right. place and all of a sudden we went from winning i got calls from people i got a call from a guy i think he's terrible but that's okay call Rove; he's a loser but he called me up at 10:30 in the evening approximately to congratulate me on winning the election everybody thought that we won and then all of a sudden it changed it changed radically and drastically And Fox made that horrible call, which was, you know, doesn't hasn't helped Fox very much. I can tell you that. But Fox made the call of Arizona and even Arizona. I mean, you look at Arizona, look at the numbers over there. And that legislature is fighting like hell because they want to be they want an examination because they don't believe the numbers. And they're doing a great job. I'll tell you, you have some you have some great patriots. You have some great patriots in Pennsylvania and and you have some great patriots in Georgia uh michigan i have to tell you look at what happened in detroit so many more people voted that's why those two people that wouldn't certify the election it was a big deal but they said how can we certify an election where the numbers are obviously wrong so it's uh it's a very sad thing so when people say they don't trust the election they're right i agree with them but we're going to make it much tougher and the legislatures are really doing well uh, I, I don't think Mitch McConnell's going to do much because I don't think he can do much. I think he's he he's lost control. But you know, hopefully we'll get some good leadership in the Senate. Well, something has to happen because you need you need that. Otherwise they're going to just run roughshod right through the Senate and that'll be terrible. You know, they're trying to pass something that would be very terrible. But the legislatures, uh, in in particular in these swing states. They're really working very hard, and all over the country they're working very hard. Florida did a great job. Ohio did a great job. Texas did a great job. All of the places that were solid or solidly run, I won by tremendous margins. I mean, you don't win South Carolina by a big number and Alabama by a massive number and lose Georgia. It just doesn't happen that way. That's true. And so uh, so we'll – We'll see what happens. There's a lot of anger. There's a lot of uh, hard work right now, and a lot of people are going, and, and you know, it, it pertains to the future, but it also pertains to the past.
0: Absolutely. Um, your interview with your daughter-in-law, Laura, was censored, and uh, your press releases, though, have become a great way for you to communicate with everybody these days, and there is a brand new link to sign up so everybody can get those. And I am going to share that link here and also on all of my social media accounts that haven't been banned yet. (laughs) And I know that uh, you're really (laughs) enjoying using that way to communicate with all of your supporters. But should we expect a new social media platform to pop up soon? And also I wanted to give you a chance to respond to the censorship that took place in your interview with your daughter-in-law, Lara.
3: Well, I did a very a nice interview with Laura she's a tremendous person as you know and uh, people yes. love Laura North Carolina loves her especially I'll tell you it was uh, yes. incredible <laughs> great state and they they love her that's where she was uh, raised born and raised uh, but I did an interview and we were talking about Laura asked me questions about uh, the election and was it rigged was it uh, you know what happened with you know you get so many votes how do you lose and of course the pollster said 66 and you don't lose and uh, it's, uh, you know, as I said, it's just, it's just really terrible. So I explained it and Facebook, I understand, uh, immediately took it off. You don't have free speech in this country, but you know what happens? They take it off and now people talk about it more. Uh, Facebook, uh, took it off and it's disgraceful. What's happening now in this country, nobody ever thought would happen. It is total censorship. You use the word Censorship. Uh, You make a statement if they don't like the statement, whether it's a medical statement or a voting statement or or about Hunter Biden. If you make a statement about Hunter Biden, uh, they they go crazy. These people (laughs) go crazy. They are crazy. Uh, It is so unfair. What's nobody's ever seen, you know, in the old days, which isn't too long ago, two years ago. Uh, it was progressively getting worse. But in the old days, you'd make a statement, they'd make a statement, you'd fight, they'd fight. You know, people would pick the winner, right? Now they don't fight, they don't let the statement be made. And, you know, that's a communist country. If you look, that's what happens. You can't make a statement, you can't get your point across. It was you'd fight, and now there is no fight because they don't put the statement out. So they take anything down. I mean, they took the Hunter Biden stuff down, it was incredible because that was having a huge negative impact. And it would have, I guess they said it could have been over 10 points. And we won anyway, frankly, but 10 points is a lot. And that's where I really saw it. So they wouldn't let that go on. Uh, you remember Chris Wallace, when he wouldn't let us even talk about why did the mayor of Moscow's wife give three and a half million dollars to Hunter Biden, right? And I said, I was why just wouldn't you let say, yep. And it was like, they, they wanted it to be stifled. They didn't want anyone to talk. And then they all get scared because they get sued. You know, they, they don't want to be sued. And I don't know, the, the, the right or the conservatives, uh, they don't fight the same way, and they should. They should be a lot tougher. they got to get a lot tougher because the radical left is meaner and tougher, and they stick together. They don't have any Mitt Romneys and that little Ben Sass and the, the crap that we have in the Republican Party. They, don't, they have some bad people, but they stick together. And uh, it's too bad. It's really too bad. But uh, I think that people I I think the more of this, you know, that happens where Facebook takes perfectly legitimate statements off and it became a big deal. I mean, I see it's all over the place. It's everyone's talking about it. So therefore, they end up talking about it. They would have been better off just leaving it. But frankly, uh, the more that people see that i think it energizes and you know we don't do something that they do we don't we just don't do it they call for for uh bans on buying boycotts on buying things from companies that uh, don't do exactly as they say some of those things that they say are very bad things too but if coca-cola as you notice they're calling a, a boycott with coca-cola and with airlines and with all sorts of companies and we don't do that. I think we, frankly, have more people than they do, and we should do that. You could do a ban on Twitter. You, you know, Twitter's become very boring, by the way. You, I've heard from many people. Many people are getting off Twitter. Uh, but, and what I'm doing, as you know, is I put out press releases now. You know, I, it's uh, meaningful press releases. I think they get picked up far better than the tweets. They're more elegant. I do fewer of them because, you know, it's just not as handy. But it really is very easy and very handy. And and frankly, uh, I think they get picked up to at least the same extent and maybe more than Twitter. But I I really think Twitter is going to start going down because it's become very boring. When I started with them, they were really failing. And, you know, I wasn't thinking about them. I was thinking about getting a word out. It was a good way to get a word out. But I think this is better for me. It's a much more elegant way of getting the word out. And everybody picks it up.
0: Yeah, absolutely, and we are going to put that link on here so that everybody can be in touch with you through your press Good. releases that you're putting out. And here at Real America's Voice, Mr. President, I want to tell you that uh, we're going to be at the boat parade. We're going to cover that. We'll cover Good. your rally when those, uh, those resume. And uh, we're, we'll be there to cover everything just like we have been all the way along. We want to thank you for taking time out of your tremendously busy schedule to be with us tonight here on Dr. Gina Primetime. And uh, God bless you. Thank you for being with us.
3: Well, you're amazing, and you've been my friend for a long time, Gina, and thank you very much. And uh, just say hello to everybody.
0: All right, now listen, don't go away, because there is one question I meant to ask the president, but I'm going to ask that question next to one of President Trump's closest advisors from all throughout his campaign and his presidency. That person is Corey Lewandowski, and I'll ask him next. More Dr. Gina Primetime coming up. Stick around. Welcome back to Dr. Gina Prime Time. After our interview with President Trump, it's even more clear that the two administrations, that one and the present day one, are absolute night and day. In fact, there's never been two more administrations more different, in my opinion. Transparency versus a total media blackout. Open borders versus secure borders. Tax cuts versus tax increases. Fear of COVID versus freedom. And hope for the future. And the list, it honestly goes on and on. Here with me now is the architect of the 2016 Trump campaign and also a huge part of the 2020 campaign, too. He is now the chairman of the MAGA Action Pack, my good friend, Corey Lewandowski. Corey, I so appreciate you joining us. You did it even on short notice, but I couldn't think of anyone that I would rather follow the interview, really, of my career than you, Corey, because you are one of those who... I feel like I was standing with so many days uh, before people understood. We didn't have the MAGA movement there with us at the very beginning back in 2015. Corey, you were the person that came to me and said, "You've got to, uh, you've got to realize who this man Donald Trump is. We want you to be involved with his campaign," um, and it was you who really helped me see that. President Trump spoke to the press nearly every day and took questions until the reporters ran out of breath. But now we have Biden, who has given them a virtual blackout. He's hiding and a media blackout at the border. And he's just not being honest with the American people. And yet there's no uprising from his voters, Corey. There's no outrage. Corey, I can tell you, as much as you and I love Donald Trump, as hard as we worked for the man that we believed we knew, had he gotten in office, Corey, and blacked us out and blacked out the American people the way Joe Biden has done it, we would not have supported him, would we?
2: Well, we wouldn't, Gina. Thanks for having me. You know, look, the, the Biden administration has simply become an extension of the Biden campaign, which is hide in your basement, don't talk to the media, don't talk to the American people, don't tell anybody who's really running the country. Look, the opposite of that was Donald Trump. I remember during the campaign he did six- interviews with the New York Times alone in 2016. That's an amazing number. And what do we see during his administration? The media would say Donald Trump is too accessible to the media. Maybe he shouldn't come out and talk so much. And then if he would go inside and not talk to the, to the media for two days, they'd say, where is Donald Trump? He's hiding from us. Joe Biden went over 60 days without a press conference, the longest in modern presidential history. And then when he does do a press conference, He doesn't know where he is. He announces he's running for re-election, except he doesn't know what the next three and a half years are going to hold. And he has no policies. And they give him easy questions. What's your favorite color? What kind of ice cream did you have? Did your dog bite anybody else today? These are the questions that they ask him. I mean, it's, it's crazy talk.
0: And those things are interesting to know about a president. I mean, a lot of my questions for our 45 president were very biographical today. I wanted to hear him answer questions I'd never heard him answer. My background is in human behavior and psychology, so maybe that influenced it a little bit. Um, But, you know, one of the things that we did talk about, I see uh, things that your children have done, you know, drawings and pictures. And, you know, we are family people. When it comes right down to it, this... Being president vastly affected him and his family. You can't diminish what he went through emotionally as a father, as a husband, um, as a friend, seeing his friends. And he even mentioned that, he even said, I know you went through things, Gina, supporting me. He talked about how uh, his beautiful wife, Melania, did not get a fair shake in the press um, and, and how that affected him and how that affected her. Very compelling. Corey, you yourself didn't get a fair shake a million times over, never complaining about it. But I want to give you a chance to talk about what you think is the most unfair about the Trump presidency and how the media treated him versus how they're treating Joe Biden and his family and his wife and his friends and his administration.
2: You know, Gina, when you think about it, at the end of the day, you wanna come home and you wanna have a family that loves you and respects you and gives you the support that you need. And you know, the Trump family is a close-knit organization, a close-knit family that makes decisions together. And I saw what they went through from 2015 till today, the way they maligned Melania, the way they attacked Don Jr. and Eric, the way they said things about Ivanka, the way they've treated Barron Trump. You know, it's amazing what they've had to go through. And what does Donald Trump do? He keeps fighting. And what the what the American people don't really know is just how magnanimous and gracious he is, how how generous he is to everybody. You know, I can't tell you how many holidays have come and gone where he's called to talk to my kids. And, you know, my kids, are at a, they're still at a young age, and the only thing they've ever really known is Donald Trump because I've been part of that team for so long now. And my oldest is 14, and my youngest is 10. And these items behind me are things that they've made for me By and large, while I wasn't home to say, Dad, we love you and we miss you. you. We know you're doing important work. But the way that the media has treated conservatives has been vastly different than the way they've treated the left. You know, the Hunter Biden stories, they say Hunter can't be attacked because he's a child of a candidate. Well, look, they didn't have that same notion when Don Jr. or Eric or Ivanka are on the campaign trail. And now that Joe Biden is in office, They've given Hunter Biden a pass for all of the things he's been accused of, all of the crimes that he's potentially committed. We know that he was thrown out of the military. We know he got a special dispensation to get into the military in the first place because his father was the vice president at the time. But the Trump family and our families have gone through a lot to support us. And we're going to look back on this, Gina, in 10 years or 20 years when our kids have the freedoms that they deserve in the greatest country in the world. I want to say thank you, Donald Trump, and thank you to Gina Loudon, and maybe a little thank you to some of the others out there to keep fighting and who have fought side by side with the president to make sure we keep America the greatest country in the world.
0: That's such a great point, Corey, and thank you to you very personally for fighting relentlessly and tirelessly and still, by the way. Um, But you know what? There's the average Joe on the street, the Joe six-pack who fought hard and has paid a dear, dear price as well. I I can't tell you about it. I know people that have lost their whole businesses who are never going to have their faces on TV or have their stories told. Um, I I also told him about gifts people have given me uh, to give to him, Purple purple Heart medals, uh, books that they've written, letters from veterans about uh, just incredible stories, um, some funny things too. I wanted to give you a chance to tell us about the funniest or most unusual. I'm sure if I got gifts to give him, you must have had literally thousands of gifts that people have given you to give him. What's the funniest or most unusual thing that someone has given you to give to President Donald Trump?
2: You know, I've had a lot of gifts, Gina, and one that I got relatively recently, maybe in the last year and a half or so, was a man whittled literally out of a piece of wood, a Make America Great Again red hat. And I don't know how much time it took this man to do this, but he did it with a buck knife and he carved a hat out of a piece of wood that he found here in New Hampshire. He painted it red and then carved in the words, Make America Great Again. Uh, it must've taken this man hundreds, if not thousands of hours to do this. It was an incredible, incredible talent that he had. And it was out of a piece of wood. And I don't know how somebody can do this. Like I could maybe whittle a garden snake if I'm lucky, Uh, you know maybe if I'm lucky I get a garden snake out of it the the, the way that some of these people have such passion to show the president their gratitude for all that he has gone through and look this was a man who didn't have financial resources couldn't write a check for hundreds of dollars to support the campaign but he said look I put hours and hours into this and I want to make sure the president got it and there are so many people who have these generous things from clothing to you know jewelry to handmade items that they want to show the president how much they respect uh, all the work that he has done. But that was a very special one. It was a hand carved wooden Make America Great Again hat that would fit on an adult uh, dyed red with white letters. It took him hundreds of hours to do and it. it's truly amazing.
0: I, I love that story, Corey. I'm so glad you told that to me. You know, one question I wish I'd asked him that I just didn't want to keep him too, too long, but the interview was far longer than I intended it to begin with. Um, I wish I'd asked him about loyalty because a lot of my viewers said they wished that he had picked people like you, Corey, uh, to be closer and, and, and have more influence in his administration instead perhaps of some of the more establishment people that he chose. And that if he's reelected in 2024, which we all hope he will be, um, that he would choose uh, people that have been loyal to him from the very first day um, what are your thoughts on that
2: well jean you know i think loyalty is a big factor in politics there's a lot of people who want to go and get rich working for candidates i was never that guy uh, loyalty is an important factor and we've had some great loyal people johnny McIntyre and dan scavino and myself and You know i think there's been a lot of them out there over the years who've been there from the beginning and we've also had people who weren't with us at the beginning but came over to support and appreciate the america first agenda that being said you know we made a lot of bad choices at the administration i'll say we collectively even though i wasn't part of it when we brought in guys like gary Cohn and rob porter and you know the establishment who were only there for their own benefit to to pad their own resumes or to get tax breaks or to You know, be self-important, and and I think that really hurt the president. Uh, He was surrounded by people who didn't agree with his philosophy. We saw that every day. Uh, And then we saw, on the other hand, guys like Peter Navarro, who fought tooth and nail to hold China accountable, while there were people in the building who didn't agree with that philosophy. So, I think loyalty is so important. Uh, And that's not to say you can't have divergent opinions. And you should have divergent opinions when you're briefing the leader of the free world. He should have all the facts. Not just be surrounded by yes men, but at the end of the day, the thing that's important to me is when the president makes a final decision of the direction he wants to go, everybody on the team should be going in that direction. And that wasn't always the case in the Trump administration. That really hurt him throughout the years.
0: Why are you so loyal to him? Why do you love him so much?
2: You know, Gene, he's been good to my family. He's been good to me. He took a kid who grew up in a place like Lowell, Massachusetts, uh, never thought I would actually... Ever meet a president, let alone have the opportunity to call one my friend, and I've had some amazing experiences. I've been able to travel around this great country with him, spend time with him, and I respect his work ethic above all else. You know, nobody ever complains that this uh, man, who is now 74 years old, is resting because he never rests. Anybody who can outwork Corey Lewandowski and and that type of work ethic, I have to respect and. You know, do I agree with every single thing he says and does and weighs in on? Of course I don't, but I look at the totality of the fact that I want to stand for the flag and I want to kneel for God. I want to be in a country where it's okay to support our men and women in law enforcement and the police. And I want to make sure that I'm not disparaged or condoned for that. I don't believe in violence against other Americans. And I don't believe in Black Lives Matter or people who storm the Capitol. And I think we need a country where it's okay to be proud to say that you're an American. And you know what? Those are the things that I've seen in Donald Trump where he says, we're going to have an immigration system, but we're going to have an immigration system that's beneficial to this country, not to everybody who just wants to pour across the border. So look, my family is a military family. I saw what this president has been able to do to rebuild our military from my grandfather, my father, my brother, all active duty members of the military. Uh, I was a police officer and standing with men and women of law enforcement is so important to me. So I'm grateful that the president put us on a course and a path to allow us to be able to do that. And I hope the next four years we can push back the tide of socialism because it has never worked anywhere in the world and it sure is not going to work in this country.
0: He's Corey Lewandowski. He is the chairman of the MAGA Action Pack. Corey, thank you so much for being here today. Thank you so much for all of your continued hard work for our country. And God bless
2: you. Thank you.
0: Thanks so much for joining me tonight. And thank you to everyone here at your new home for Real News, RAV TV, Real America's Voice. Live from Studio 6B is up next with Damon and the crew. Promise you'll laugh. Hug your children. Love your God. Go boldly now and live the truth.